When it comes to parenting, we often think about the early years, about the baby years, about the toddler years, and the school years. And oh, those teen years. We rarely think about what happens after. After high school, after the kids leave home, after they launch and are on their own. Now, as a mom of adult kids and younger kids, it doesn't get any easier. It's always hard to let our kids go. And it's just as hard to figure out who we are as moms once they're gone. My friend Marcy, who I'm interviewing today, says all of a sudden the nest is empty. The birds have gone and what had been a constant blur of activity is now nothing more than a few discarded feathers. Silence mutes all that was colorful and it's time to reestablish our significant place in this ever-changing world. Now, maybe some of you are in this empty nest season, and perhaps others of you are thinking ahead. Today, you'll enjoy this podcast as Marcy and I share what it was like to launch some of our kids. Also, Marcy gives us hope for all the years to come. tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Well, friends, I am so happy to have my friend Marcy Scyther here today, and we're going to be talking about her book, Empty Nest, and then all the things. I know we're going to be here (laughs) and there, Um, but first of all, welcome, Marcy. Why don't you just start by telling our guests a little bit about yourself? Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I, um, it feels like we're just having a conversation. I just wish we had real coffee in front of ourselves. I know. I should have made myself some coffee. <laughs> so, well, my name is Marcy Scyther, and I have six kids. Um, we have six grandkids now, so that makes all of the um, gray hairs from teaching our teens how to drive worth it, I guess. That's <laughs> but, awesome. Um, but we've been married for 37 years, and we are um, just newly transplanted from California to Tennessee. So Welcome to the promised land of the <laughs> South. <laughs> I know. It's kind of like um, people are like, oh, well, I hope you're not, you know, if you're moving here with California, I'm like, no, if Californians are moving to Tennessee, then you're okay. <laughs> They're wanting to leave California. Yeah. And we do love, I will say... To my California listeners, I yes. love you. I grew up in California. I love California. Oh, yeah. I the beauty of California from, is amazing. You're from weed. I'm from weed, California. <laughs> I've gone through weed. So, yeah. I went um, to weed high, Marcy. Yeah. I was a cheerleader <laughs> at weed high. So, so, yeah. It was... and. It's hard for me to leave California because I still have people I love there. My family's there. My family moved to California during the dust storms from me the too. Midwest. Okay, from where? They moved from um, Arkansas and Kansas. Okay, they so my grandpa Kansas. was from Kansas. 
Yeah, same same with mine. They moved from Kansas during the dust storms. Yeah. They had to save up and get their rations, and they moved to Salinas um, to work in the packing sheds because they were just so happy to get jobs. Okay, so my uh, family moved from Kansas, um, Westmoreland, Kansas. Okay. Well, they actually, they were in this tiny little area outside of Westmoreland, but that's like the closest place. And they moved and went all as far as the Sacramento River can go up by the ferry boat. And they ended up by Red Bluff, California. Wow. So that's okay. where they ended up. So were they farmers or what were yes, they? Yes. Yes. And just this last, um, just a couple months ago, my friend and I, I was speaking up in um, Kansas. I'm trying to remember. Where was that? Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas. And it was like an hour away from my grandpa's where their farm was. And I'm like, okay, Suzanne, she went with me with three of our kids. And then my friend, Suzanne, I'm like, let's go find it. And it was in the middle of nowhere, but it was in the Flint Hills. So beautiful. The property is like rolling hills and the sky is huge and the waving grass. And I'm like, why did you get rid of this property? I mean, it was so gorgeous. So I actually got to see, and I got to see the one room schoolhouse where him and his, he had uh, 10 siblings. So there's 11 kids. The one room schoolhouse where they went to is still sandy. Well, I will say standing, it's barely standing. Like it's a little, a little shack, but um, yeah. So I love that. That is so cool. That is so cool that you had, you were able to go back and see it as well. But, and that was that I'm so thankful. My grandma actually wrote this little tiny booklet called my story. And she wrote it for her kids and her grandkids. And in it, she talked about living through the dust storms and the fact that they had to tie themselves from the house to the barn so that they wouldn't get lost. And just those little snippets and the value of sharing your story. I mean, you're, you're huge on story. I love stories. And just if she had, you know, everybody can read about the dust storms, but you don't understand what it's like to have to go scoop out the cow's nose so that they can breathe because of all the dust that's blowing in through the cracks. Absolutely. And to know like before that it had, because my mom's cousin is very, um, he is such, I'm so grateful that we have him but he's into genealogy but he collected like newspaper clippings and stuff from that time but so before that like before the dust storms came um my my grandpa was one of the first great grandpa was one of the first in town to buy up his first automobile you know they had a nice house they had the automobile they had um you know they were living the dream (laughs) And, and then all of a sudden they lost everything and they went in and my um great grandpa and his older sons went to California first and then my great grandma had to sell the house sell her um I think they sold one of the automobiles I think they one of the sons had also had an automobile they sold everything and had to go yeah. to California with all these little kids I'm like just just trying to picture that um yeah. leaving your whole life behind well and they didn't know if they would ever even see go be able to go back you know right. when my grandmother left um, Kansas she was pregnant with my dad and she said I didn't know if that was the last time I would see my father mm, so wow. we think about leaving family like and I I actually wrote about this in guidepost <laughs> because <laughs> because everything's a guidepost story <laughs> absolutely I know I love guideposts <laughs> but just that feeling of um, being unsettled when as we were leaving California to just check things out in Tennessee 
and just going through the air, you know, I was so close to just not being able to get on that plane. I was so unnerved about picking up and moving. And it was my grandma's story that actually inspired me to just mm. not pretend I had COVID before they let me, before they scanned <laughs> my ticket. Because <laughs> yeah. then, then John couldn't get too mad because it wouldn't be my fault. Like they would just say, oh, she can't go, you know. <laughs> right. So, but I was, um, but as we were going through the sky, there was a layer of clouds below. And then usually you go through the clouds when you fly. Right. But there was literally a layer of clouds below and a a layer of nothingness and then a layer of clouds above us. And we were flying in the clear space between those two layers. And it reminded me of quilt batting. And just that verse, you know, you hem me in from behind and before. And for me, that was the encouragement I needed to, that if my grandmother could take her quilts to California from surviving that, I'm okay to get to Tennessee. So. That is so good. And I, so this is going to tie into your book, Empty Nest, because. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) uh, Because when we, okay, so we have older kids and then we've adopted seven so we had three that were two or two were out of the house when we started adopting again we had one teenager but right around the time we adopted our first one and we had launched or were in the process of launching two kids um so we really didn't get an empty nest we refilled our nest but um we moved from montana to arkansas so i had grown up in california lived in montana for 15 years and then we moved to arkansas and um it was during that time where our our oldest son was getting married and so he was engaged our daughter was um only 17 but she had started college when she was 16 so she was about to get her associates so she was um, finishing her last semester for that and so she actually when we moved she stayed back in montana and lived with our youth pastor's family and then we had our 15 year old and so um i know the empty nests you know it's not just us growing, you know, our kids growing older and them leaving, sometimes there's these transitions. Like I mentioned, like my great grandpa took some of the older kids and that's the empty nest, but my grandma was left home with great grandma was left home with the little kids. And us, we had little kids, but then we're trying to launch these older kids. So it's not always this neat package of um, kids going off to fly. No. And especially, so when I wrote the book, I actually wrote the book because when our first one left and we have the same situation our we have our oldest and our youngest are 14 years apart. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I didn't need a book on how to deal with an empty room, I needed to, I needed a book on how to deal with a broken heart. Like Mm -hmm. here he's leaving. And I, and as the mom, you feel like you have the right to grieve, but you're going through, you're going through something you haven't been through before. Right. And so I wrote it with that in mind, but boy, I picked up that book again. I'm probably going to start crying right now. I was rereading it um, not too long ago and I just started crying and John's like, what is wrong with you? And I said, you know, I feel like I just wrote this to my future self because mm. I'm feeling, because it was one thing when our kids, like you said, you your kids move away but when you actually move away from your kids like our youngest when we moved he was 20 and so he stayed there because he's like I don't want to start over everything I have is here but I'll catch up with you if I if it doesn't work out and so as the mom 
that was that was just hard to go to and to nothing because you don't just leave your kids you leave all their friends right like their whole like your life is has all these kids that are in it because of your kids and so that was also an emptiness of missing them as well and the routines and football night and all that stuff so it was it's been a little bit of a transition and and sometimes I mean you hate to sound negative, but it's kind of like a coming of age mm-hmm. all over again when you're in your midlife mom years, because you are having to look and say, what is it that I really want to be when I grow up? And, um, and to not feel like the best years have already passed. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's so good. That, it really, your book should be emptying the nest because it's like uh, that's what, <laughs> emptying yeah. one at a time. Yeah. The emptingness. And so the, and then to just realize that, um, that just like you have goals for your kids and you want to see them succeed and they have to do hard things in order to make that happen. I mean, you've, you've had that with your kids, your daughter's moved to the check, you know, like these crazy things. And you're just thinking, ah, be careful. Call me when you get there. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but the, we have to, as as women, we have to keep it in perspective that we're God's kids. And just like we want our kids to succeed. And even though it, it's hard to watch them leave, God wants us. He's still growing us up too. And there, he's got a plan for us, even though we feel like, you know, we don't want to leave high school. We don't want to leave our own room, <laughs> but sometimes we have to leave. So yeah, and it really is, uh, you talked about us, um, you know, it's, we're transforming, we're growing, we're changing, and I think that happens with each kid, and I think um, we're stretched in different ways. I have, we mentioned Leslie, who's in the Czech Republic, she is the most motivated, I'm going to do this, she's getting her visa done, <laughs> she's getting plane tickets, she's living with a family over there, I mean, she was on top of it. And that's hard because you're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like slow down. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have one in the house right now and I'm like, are you going to graduate? It's three months away. I mean, at this moment, I don't, I honestly don't know if she's going to be graduating from yeah. high school. And so it's this whole complete um, with different children, their different personalities. And so one of them, I'm like trying to hold her back just a little bit. Another one, I'm like shaking the nest, like, okay, come on, girl, you're 19. Like we gotta, we gotta get going here. It's time to get with the program. It's yeah. time to get with the program. <laughs> one so, time. Oh, yeah. I was going to say one time I had left church and there was like a tree that was, you know, how they have like a surround, like a little a little like the bark and then there's the curb around it but then they have this tree growing up through it yep and so we were walking out to the parking lot and you could hear this chirp 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 and the mom is kind of fluttering in the branches above and we were going through that same experience that you're talking about yeah and um this mom goes oh look it's a baby bird it fell out of its nest and i looked at her and i'm like i'll bet you five dollars that it didn't fall and i'll bet you another five it's a boy (laughs) that is so funny mine is a girl that i'm like okay here okay come on yeah (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah. So so it really is the challenges of uh, balancing our emotions and then also trying to prepare our kids and motivate our kids or, 
you know, get our kids to think about their choices. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. So, okay. So the subtitle of your book is strategies to help your kids take flight. Okay. So Marcy, I need some strategies right now. Help me with some strategies. Just come to my house. <laughs> Just tell me. No. Yeah. Oh, I'll drop um, one off. I have one. I would yeah. be happy to drop off right now. You can launch her. No, just kidding. Yeah. It, I love it, her. I love her is, dearly. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You do love them, but you see their potential and mm-hmm. you just are like, you are wasting your potential. Like you can't, sure, you can, oh, I can always do this or I can always go back. And no, you can't. Not yeah. the same. Like the opportunities that you're missing, it's going to make it harder. And I just think, um, as the as the prodigal father he he sat there waiting hoping mm-hmm. just until he saw that dust on the horizon and he ran out because he was probably just so relieved like right <laughs> that finally you've come to your senses but anyway yeah i think the strategies basically is the fact like you said every kid is different mm-hmm. and i think that that's one of the most important things to understand is that you can't, especially when you have six kids, they don't even, they might even look the same. They might even act some the same, but they're not the same. And so you do have to kind of hold things individual for each kid. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's looking at them and knowing when to encourage or when to like put your foot down. I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm taking your phone. If I don't see these grades improve, I mean, there has to be times where you have to step in and uh, even though they are getting ready to launch where you have to um, have some consequences when they're not doing what they need to do. Cause you know what it takes for right. them to be responsible in the world. Well, sometimes you have to get a little bit, you I would have to say when they're teenagers, don't miss an opportunity. Like Mm -hmm. you, to be, for parents, pray for opportunities to speak truth into your kids. And sometimes that might feel like a home-baked cookie. And sometimes (laughs) that might be like a hot pink brassiere because you are, um, like our son was going through the phase where he just was looking, he looked like he had gotten cast-offs from people who had gotten who had gone through like a homeless camp or something. I mean, he was, he would, he was dressing so poorly and like he'd have his arms would be his armpit hairs are hanging out all over. And it's like, you know what, hun, you're show some respect for yourself. You know, you need to have some respect for yourself. It needs to be clean. And I don't want to see your, I don't want to see your underwear. I don't want to see your armpit hairs. Just when you're going to school, just have some respect. And he would say, mom, it's who I am. Everyone's doing it. (laughs) Don't judge me. And so one time I came out of our bedroom and I had on a black t-shirt with the, with a, I don't even know how, why I had this, but it was a fuchsia bra and I had it on the outside of my (laughs) t-shirt, kind of like a Madonna throwback. Uh uh (laughs) And he's, he looked at me because they weren't driving to school yet. And he's, he looked at me and he's like, what is going on here? I'm like, Hey, it's who I am. Every mom's doing it. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> he just looked at me he's like, and the other kids are almost in tears. And he's like, I am not getting in the car with you. I said, well, you change and I'll change. <laughs> and so that was, he just looked at me for a little while and he's like, okay, I'll go change. 
So sometimes you do have to get a little radical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, that's speaking their language. Yeah, that's so true. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember this if, if with the clothing choices because it always comes up like, why do you want to wear that? That just makes yeah. no sense to me. So anyway. It, it is the balance of knowing, um, you know, I mean, there are some things I'm so much more, more relaxed with the younger kids than I was older kids. And I think you do learn just to pick your battles on what things I want to, um, you know, really focus in on and other things to let go and I think one of those things like okay how you dress is in I talk about you know social media or what you post or all these things other people are aware of this and you know when you go to do a job interview they're gonna look on your uh Facebook or Instagram or they're gonna see how you what you're saying and what you're doing and I know I've had people that have offered a babysit and I go and look at their Facebook, I'm like, there's no way I'm letting this person stay with my kids. But I think so many times it is those things that we're trying to teach kids as we're launching them. Um, Like, these are some things that are important. And I'll even tell my kids, I'm like, I know my teenagers. I know that your generation thinks these things don't matter. But the generation that's going to be giving you a paycheck (laughs) thinks differently about these things. And so it's not just your peers that you need to think of it's the other people out there and so I think it's making them aware of these situations aware of other people out there and aware of how they appear to other people and I think it starts really early of trust you're gonna have Mm. to trust me on this Mm -hmm. because when they get to where they're driving and then all of a sudden you say okay well now you need to now you need to let me know where you're going then um that's too late but right. when you, you know, I wish that I could have written a prequel, not a sequel, because I wish I had talked to moms when they, their kids were eight, not 18. They need to know that how you handle things like um, emotional entanglement, like mm. you don't allow anybody to, um, to um, be a bully or to manipulate you. If you're all of a sudden talking to them about boys when they're 16, but you haven't had that discussion, like the fact that you need to be who the Lord wants you to be and not who somebody else wants you to be mm-hmm. because, you know, the girlfriend groups and all that stuff when they're young and you start saying, Hey, everybody has a strength. Everybody has, but everybody has a weakness and we're going to work through those things. And you get them to trust you. You let them know that you do have their best interest, but it doesn't start when they're teenagers. That is such a good point. And it really is, um, you know, you have to let them know, okay, this is what I think. These are the consequences. I mean, sometimes they're going to make the wrong choices. And I, I've teased my daughter, who's 19, um, to get a tattoo that says G-L-T-Y-M on her knuckles that say, girl, listen to your mother. <laughs> because I will tell her this random thing. I mean, it's stuff like, I really think you should take a coat because it's going to be raining later today. Oh, I'm fine. Whatever. You know, whatever. So it's like those things too, or really you need to spray that pan before you start trying to cook those eggs. Well, you know, all those things. And so now, because I've said the tattoo thing, I just kind of hold up my hand and wave it to her. She's like, I know girl, listen to your mother. And so (laughs) now when she's like going to a job interview Mm -hmm. and I'll say, you need to remember the name and say, you know, Mr. Mm -hmm. Mrs. I mean the whole things. Um, and she was like, give, give the look. And then I'll like, hold up my hand again 
And she's like, okay, I'll listen to you. But it is yeah. like, you don't, you can even be playful. I mean, that's my playful way. I mean, she's really not going to go get that tattoo to her fingers. But it's the playful way of like, this is a reminder that I'm, I have these things that I'm telling you for a reason um, because I've had these experiences before. And so I think when we have those lines of communication and we talk to our kids about the things, I love what you're saying. Oh, suddenly they're not leaving home and you're like, Oh wait, where's my list of a hundred things that you tell you before yeah. you go. It's these issues or these um, attitudes or these character traits that have, we have been working on for a while. And, and I do think part like for our kids, even, even, and this is what they've said is, mom, we love it that you listen to us. Even if the answer is still no, we appreciate the fact that you still listen to what we had to say. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in a society that is just clamoring for everybody's attention and approval and they're going to, I don't, were your older kids, did they have cell phones? Um, They got cell phones when they were about 16 or 17. Is See, and that, when, yeah. when cell phones started actually like coming around and everyone having cell phones. So they were, you know, we didn't have to worry about like when they were nine. Having a right. Cell phone. So, yeah. and then our kids, our oldest is 34. So yeah, they my didn't have 32. Yeah. Yeah. So, th- I mean, mostly the family phone was still attached to the kitchen wall. Absolutely. So you, we had one so in you, the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. You knew who everybody was talking to. And you knew um, who their friends were and stuff. And I would say that's the other thing is that with the cell phones, it was so hard because with the first three and they didn't have texting or anything like that, it was just a cell phone. Um, But the difference between our first three and our second three, Mm. where everybody has a phone and access, you know, you don't know who their friends are because, and half of them aren't real friends. Whereas the first three, we did not have that influence. And as a parent, that has been the hardest. That's like putting three bad shopping wheels on a shopping cart right? versus just having one that's kind of wonky. So you do have to kind of decide what you're going to do and what you're going to be okay with and why. Like, we are not going to have phones at the dinner table or we're not right. going to, you know, we need to have family time and family time means this because things change so fast and you need to be able to go back and just say, wait a second, what was one of our standards? Mm-hmm. You know, like one of our standards was we didn't do, we didn't let our kids just go out with, um, on recreational dating. Like right. if you want to go out with somebody, there has to be a, a group of five. Right. And that, w- that way it keeps you from being in, uh, awkward situation and it's it's just a better it's just better and so we just always had those kind of things like to keep you safe yeah so. and like you're saying um you know we're talking about empty nests but these are things you're starting back when they're first asking about cell phones or asking to call people or asking to go out with friends and um i know for us um also the younger kids see what the older kids are doing and <laughs> so we have yeah. to talk about and do you see why this wasn't a good choice um but also we have my husband works in security internet security stuff so um you know we have little flags that tell us i mean first of all they only get the cell phone certain hours of the day the, mm-hmm. the younger kids and they don't even have they call it we have a they have a phony <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's not a real cell phone it, they can message me and my husband and a couple mm-hmm. of their older siblings, 
Um, and then they could like play games and stuff, so they don't even have mm-hmm. a real cell phone. But we can like it. It notifies us any of our kids that are still in our home what they're texting, what they're sending, what is going wow. on, what, what they're searching for. And so, you know, we're like, so why did you search for this today? Um, so we are very well aware of everything that they are doing. Or why did you yeah. try to download Snapchat? You know you're not supposed to have that. Well, I wanted the filter as well. You can't have it, even for the filters or whatever. I mean, yeah. so it, you do have to be on top of it. And I think a lot of our kids' friends or, you know, kids from the neighborhood it's amazing how much access those little kids have to the internet and yeah. no filters and everything. And um, yeah, it's, there's a lot out there and we do when they're younger need to talk and have these conversations and teach them responsibility before all of a sudden they're on their own, uh, yeah. and, you know, leaving the, leaving the nest and have everything assaulting them. All at well, once. and that um, I'm looking through the table of contents right now. I have it open uh, to the book, and one of the ones, it, the second chapter, talks about changing seasons, mm-hmm. and that kind of ties in with what we're talking about. And the fact that, like a farmer, we lived in Minnesota for nine years. So even though I'm from California, I mean we've moved like you've moved. Yeah. <laughs> so, but one of the things I loved about being in that agricultural area is um, you would see those farmers out there and they would be plowing and they would, or they would be harvesting and, and they would be in fully immersed like the, in what they were doing, but they were already thinking about the season ahead. Hmm. They weren't in the season ahead, but they were, they already had to have a plan for that season ahead and they weren't lamenting the season behind them. They were, they knew what was behind them, but they were in the moment. And I think that for parents, we do have to be kind of like that farmer. We have to be in the moment that we're in, but thinking about that season ahead so that we can, like you're talking about the phone, so that we can talk about like, hey, this is something that we're going to have to deal with down here. So we're not going to deal with that now, but this is something that needs to be on our radar. And I think sometimes for people who all of a sudden, maybe they've been super busy, maybe they've had a lot going on, all of a sudden they wake up and it's their child's senior year and they haven't planned ahead at all. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the mom I feel for the most because they haven't had that time to to plan ahead and it's caught them so off guard that now they're frantically hovering so that their child can't take flight because because they're because of the mom is so consumed with what she's losing that um and I feel for that mom as well so yeah and just I, thinking I think, ahead yeah and thinking ahead is such a good thing um and so there is the balance of not hovering <laughs> and not yeah. being so completely uninvolved that the child has no um you know no idea of what to do what to think what's ahead and I remember I think it was a different generation too I don't remember like my mom or my stepdad ever saying well what college you want to go to or let's look at this or let's look at that it's like I was the one like trying to figure stuff out and um I think there is a balance between being too involved where they don't do anything for themselves and you know also um 
being so uninvolved that they don't get any help. And so it is, it is a, it's a balance. It's hard. <laughs> and each, and then again, yeah. each is different. If, if your child is 12 and they don't know how to tie their own shoes, then you probably should be listening to a different podcast. Yes. <laughs> because you do see that where the parents just want to do every single thing. And actually that's another thing too, is that we, all of this is hard for for us to go through and it's hard for our kids to go through. And that was one of the analogies mm-hmm. I used in the book too was, and you're from weeds. So, you know, those big trees, the yes. huge forest and trees. Well, my husband in Northern California, he had a sawmill. And so he sometimes would go to people's homes and he would help to pick out different trees or whatever, if they were thinning out the forest or if they were wanting to, to, Uh, build something and he would mill that for them. And so this one family had this huge pine tree next to their house and it it was just a big open area with this huge pine tree and they had it in their mind. It was going to be the perfect circle of life thing. They were going to cut this tree down, have John mill it, and they would use that wood for their addition. So John goes to, he cuts the tree down and he looks at it and he's like, I am so sorry but this tree is not worth anything more than just firewood. And they're like, what? Like, this is a huge tree. And he said, yeah, but this tree has never had any stress. It has never had to, to fight for light. It has never had to worry about water. It has never had to um, stand against high winds. And because of that, it does not have those thin rings. Because those thin rings in a tree... The, there's a cambium layer, those thin rings, that's what gives the tree strength, structural strength. When a tree doesn't have any stress, it has the thick pulp between those rings. The tight ring trees are the ones that are the strongest. Wow. And so we pray for our kids to be usable and all that stuff. And we, we don't want to have to go through anything harsh and we try to skirt around it or we just try to sugarcoat it and pat it and put a helmet on it. But unless our children are allowed to go through some of those struggles, they will never be strong enough to live through those storms. And that's the same for us. We have to be willing to go through the tough things as hard as it is we have to kind of get out of the mindset of how can we get around this? And we need to think of with God's help and the help of sisters and brothers, how can we get through this? Because those tight ring years are going to happen. And that's what gives the tree strength. That's what gives our kids strength. That's what gives us strength. Okay. That was a perfect illustration. (laughs) That was so good. I love that. And so, okay. So all those hard things, that our kids have to go through we are there with them but we're helping them go through the hard things we're not taking away all the hard things for them Um, and that will help us and it will help them when that time where they're empty in the nest when they're taking flight (laughs) comes oh i love that so much so good okay marcy where can um people go to find out more information about you and more information about your book um they can go to marcysyther.com or they can um, they can go to Amazon. <laughs> yeah, Amazon is always a good place. <laughs> they can go to Amazon, but um, I have a website, marcysyther.com, and um, I I always have really good some of my favorite recipes are on my website. So, Ooh. <laughs> so yeah, so I have really good recipes on there, and um, so 
if people want that information, it's on there too. That's great. Well, thank you so, so much. And we'll, we're going to put all the links in the show notes too, but thank you, Marcy, so much oh, for welcome. being here today. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now, remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com. And I can't wait until we connect again.